what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, doing you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you don't know me yet, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. You can learn more about me and how we can work together at elisecortez.com or gusto-now.com. Let me thank my partner and sponsor, WorkProud. We are a perfect collaboration. Everyone wants to know they matter and that the work they do is meaningful and appreciated. WorkProud is a mobile platform built to encourage employees to share stories and recognize each other's contribution. WorkProud empowers HR and business leaders to help create company cultures where all employees are inspired to feel proud of their work and proud of their company. Learn more at WorkProud.com. With us today is Charles Antis, founder and CEO of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. A well-respected and widely known roofing expert, entrepreneur, and humanitarian, Charles has become one of the most trusted names in the roofing industry countrywide, as well as an inspirational business leader championing corporate social corporate responsibility. Antis Roofing and Waterproofing celebrated its 30 years anniversary in 2019, or as Charles would say, for over 30 years, we've been keeping families safe and dry. We'll be talking about Charles's path to purpose, how corporate social responsibility and philanthropy has changed in the pandemic, and how purpose translates to business results. He joins us today from Irvine, California. Charles, welcome to Working on Purpose. It's about time it's about time. Thanks for having me on, Doctor. I'm excited to be here. You're so welcome. And hey, by the way, we were talking before you, we came on. You're from Oregon. I'm from Oregon. How did we not know that about each other? Wow, I do not know that. I right? was born in Roseburg, Oregon in 1962, Mercy Hospital. All right. Well, I got to Hermiston, Oregon somewhere in the 70s and spent many years in Portland. And I need to go back in August, come in, folks, for wine tasting and family and friends. So here we go. After the temperature has gone down from 113, right? Okay. Um, so great to have you. Well, and you know, let's start. I always like to tell our, our listeners and our viewers where we where I find my amazing guests. You were minding your very own business in 2019 when I traipsed upon you at the Purpose Conference that Aaron Hurst and the Imperative team put on. And immediately was wonderstruck. I loved your energy. I loved your passion. I loved your expressiveness, the way that you involved everyone. That's where it all began. Yeah, we, we were aligned there. We potted off and we ended up doing some street work together. <clears throat> I don't remember what we were asking people, but I remember how I felt when they answered. I remember when they would pause and, and purpose would show up in their answers. I just can't remember the exact questions, but that was an amazing weekend. And the experience of Imperative was critical for me to know how to lead. Mm-hmm. Well, I, just for our listeners and viewers, in case they're wondering just exactly what were you doing at this conference, uh, they unleashed us on the streets. And I believe they asked us to go out and find people and ask them if they knew their purpose or something like that, or if maybe what they were passionate about. And you and I were on the same team. and That's how we got to know each other. Right. We were stopping random strangers on the street and they actually talked to us. What a concept about purpose. 
it was it was fun. We had a lot of fun, and and that's you know imperative is where I think that we we both paused there. That that environment it was a safe environment to dig a little deeper, try to understand what that is that fulfills us. Yeah, yeah. So since we are going to be talking about purpose and philanthropy and other things, it's helpful for our listeners and viewers to understand where 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 does the path to purpose begin for you. Well, I spend a lot of time um, answering that or pondering that, and the answers change over time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think it starts very young for me. It starts very young for me, and and growing up in Oregon in a small town, and and, in an environment where all of the men that I knew, or almost every man uh, that I knew, worked with his hands and worked hard and didn't have time to pause didn't have time to pause on much of anything, let alone this little lonely boy who's trying to figure himself out. And so while I respected those men and while I, I took one of those dangerous jobs like I saw, I'm in roofing now, what, what really created a pause in me was the men, the few times I remember a man, particularly a man maybe because I needed that. My father was a great father, taught me how to work, taught me to do the right thing. But there was a certain intimacy that maybe he wasn't able to fulfill entirely. And, and a couple of times a few men paused on me, like the time in 1968, I'm six years old at the Wooden Nickel Day Parade in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. It's the biggest event in town in that small town. And I remember being at the waiting at the end of the parade on the street where there was this man that always walked at the end of the parade, at least for a few years, I remember. His name was John Shirtcliffe. He owned the Shell oil plant. And I remember what John did. He handed out toys and he, I remember he handed out dimes. And I think that was a big deal. I got that dime and I could buy two candy bars with the dime in 1968. But what he did when he handed me the dime was not something that every man did. He held my stare. So powerful today, because when I hold an employee's stare, then I will honor them. And when they hold my stare, they're honoring me. And that man honored me, something that he saw in me and and it intrigued me. And to this day, those, those events with those men, a couple other men, similar experiences, I think that that's something that I wanted, but I didn't know then and now today. I get to live a little bit like John Shercliffe, and it's really fulfilling. But I had to learn how to get here because part of me thinks I have to grind and work and work and work. But there's a, a discovery in there that there's a life balance mixed with really taking care of yourself really well first. And then, and then thinking that maybe I have capacity to take care of a lot more people and then just doing it. And that's kind of what it evolved into. Oh, Charles, that's yummy. I'm so glad I asked you that question. Okay, so then how would you articulate your personal purpose, if you could? Well, you set that up so perfectly, and I think that that's, you're a master designer, but it wasn't until I went to Imperative, the deep three-day purpose, that I, I that I got anywhere. And I remember, and I think that people that went there can remember similar things. And you're inside a three-day camp when you're trying to discover something. You're, you're, it's, it's hard. You don't really want to be there entirely because it requires some work and some uncomfortableness, some vulnerability. And I remember during that three days, there were a couple times where part of the pod wanted to quit. It was ready to, to, to create a coup and take over and said, this isn't working. And some other people stood up and said, let's trust the process. And, and I remember somewhere in that time, me not knowing whether it was working or not, those in my pod, which was some people from Carnival Cruise Lines that were just awesome, 
they just out of nowhere nailed me. They nailed me because I was going off on what I couldn't do. I can't mentor well. You know, I don't manage well. I'm like Siegel Boss when I mentored my daughter when she was in, in, in my, my, vet, my 22-year-old daughter when she was seven. I tried to tutor her in math. And next thing you know, she's crying because of what I'm saying. It wasn't my, she's saying, Dad, you're mean. And I was, it wasn't my strength, but imperative freed me because in that pod, it was the C, it was the HR director from Carnival Cruise Lines. He looks at me and says, Charles, you're not a tutor. You're not a manager. You are an ambassador. You are empowered. You are fulfilled by igniting passion in others for good, for change. You know, and I, and I just like, it hit me like, is that me? And it hit me though with some familiarity. Like that does sound like what I want to do, but I am, am I that guy? And then it was then that I discovered maybe I was. And since then you've heard of me because I believe in sharing what's working. And, and you'll, if you, if you follow me, you'll also know that I'll share what's not working as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. And, you know, and, 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 and in doing that, I really am doing the best that I can do, but there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of giving involved too, because it's in the giving that I really find fulfillment and some of that magic that just branches off into a lot of areas. Mm, so that was uh, well worth the price of admission right there, Charles, right there, just yummy. Um, so what I wanna say to you and to our listeners and viewers is because our purpose is really just so much the water that we swim in. It's, it's hard to distinguish ourselves from our purpose and therefore articulate it, to be able to declare it, to distinguish it from our person. Sometimes it does help to have somebody who's literally looking at you as if they were a mirror and helping you see it for yourself. And that's just what that person did for you. And that's beautiful. I get to do that kind of work with my clients. And it is the most stunning thing to see someone's molecules change in front of your very eyes when they recognize the truth of the words you just spoke to them and recognize that as themselves. It's amazing. And that's the greatest thing you can do. Because if you do that, you awaken another awakener and then it, it goes on. And you know, it's like if we just, we're all caught up in these ruts from what we were told, from all the biases, from all of the cultures and all of the things we've been in. And wow, if we can pull one person out and awaken them to their originality, that because they're nothing like anybody else. That's right. You're uniquely, you're uniquely you. And Imperative helped me be that. And, and, and that's what, as, as a CEO, I, now I have, I have, I, I make the claim because I believe it. I, I have the best CEO seat in Orange County. I just, oh my God, I mean, I'm so lucky. But I, with that is an obligation to offer that same best seat to my VPs, to my directors, to my managers, to my employees. Is that possible? And I've learned that if I think maybe yes, then the answer is maybe yes. And so that's exciting. I'm, I'm on that discovery path. You know, the more I give, the more I have without question, the more I grab, the more I have to control. Whoa, it's not even close. It's not even fair. I'm so much better off. Oh, that's so great. So, okay, so this is exactly the conversation that I wanted to have. Now we've been talking about you and how you came alive to your uniqueness. Is your purpose different from your company purpose? Yes. And in some ways we're the same. Um, the company um, purpose is, I'm just going to slowly duck down here and it comes to life. Good <laughs> <laughs> see it. Family safe and dry. It's really powerful. Uh, it's funny that it's we're 32 years, but we're still keeping the 30. Uh, it's a really powerful statement that we keep family safe and dry. When 
when somebody in scheduling gets a call or somebody in customer care gets a call and somebody's got a leaky roof, when they really believe and they know that we exist to keep families safe and dry, then that person that calls in gets the number one service. We go out there and we get them dry. That's the most important thing. Getting paid is not the most important thing. How weird is that to own it like that? Mm -hmm. But how awesome is that to hold it like that? Mm -hmm. And that's what we get to do today. And that's powerful. And I believe in that. And a lot of our giving rolls up under that. Like Habitat for Humanity believes that every family de deserves a decent place to live. I wear that on my forehead. I've been a board member there for 11 years. We've donated the last 80 roofs for Habitat families in Orange County. It's wow. probably about $1.2 million in roofing along with Eagle Tile. And we, we absolutely love it. It defines who we are. It defines who we are. I have done deeper studies into what fulfills me and I've, I've, I've learned some things about me that, that, that best is best said by what I said before. I am fulfilled. I am, I'm giggly. I'm awakened in the moment when those around me come to life and see themselves and their organizations as more powerful. So I'm awakener. I am an awakener of organizations. I'm an awakener of people. I'm much like you. When you read your bio coming in, you were everything I want to be. Um, I have this company. I love it. Because I hold it like this, we install the best roofs we ever have. Our roofs can go to full warranty. It's just not something that happens that anybody has said in the roofing industry. But I love, I love every part of, of, of being awoke to who we can be. And, and so I don't even think I've discovered, you know, um, very much of, of, my, of my, my awesomeness. And I don't mean that to sound vain. You know, I don't. Um, I'm, I'm just the best version of myself I've ever been. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else anymore. I really don't. I'm happy with comparing myself to myself. And today, I'm able to be fulfilled in a big way. But I, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, to answer your question, I, I, I sort of practice something that there's a word for it called confetti philanthropy. And it's something that the book says mm -hmm. you're not supposed to practice. Because if you give if you give outside of the bucket of keeping families safe and dry, then it's confusing to your brand. And it is. It's said. It makes some sense that it is. Because people in their animal brains need to hold it in a simple way. But, but what happens with me in particular, at least, is I get these people call me for advice from a cause that I can't, once I hear it, I go, oh my God, I can't imagine this not being in the world. And so I look at my position and my power of, of my voice. And I, and I think if I believe in it and we're aligned, why wouldn't I do, why wouldn't I contribute a little bit of time, money or talent there? And so um, that's what ends up happening. And, and I end up saying yes to everything. And so I think that one of the chapters in a book that I'm writing right now might be, um, um, might be um, really on disrupting the model of philanthropy, you know, and and so because we are breaking the rules, and I can give you anecdotal evidence that we're better off for it. If you look for brand recognition in the roofing industry, we and I'm not bragging. I'm giving you a you know we stand out really high, and we're a relatively small company. So pound for pound, there's no one that competes in that if that's what we were looking for. But that's not helping us sell roofs over here. But in Orange County, we stand out in, in, the, in, in the CSR way and the, uh, with the top tier. And, and I don't, again, I'm not saying that um, bragging in any way. It's a big responsibility in many ways. Uh, I wonder if I can hold it some days. But, 
we're in a, a great position and with that position gives us leverages of all types. And I'm, and so I've just never, I've never, I've never experienced anything like this as we rewrite how this is done, but I love it because I'm alive in the moment every day. If I'm not talking to you, when you're asking me by tough questions, I mean important questions that if we answer correctly, can awaken other people, but it's just the, the way I get to hold everything with such importance today. It's a powerful way to lead versus when I held it like a grinder, like showing up here 90 hours a week, literally. I remember making a big deal in my company, talking about it many times. My nephew, who one week about a dozen years ago worked 98 hours. I was teasing him to see if he'd get to 100. <laughs> I told that story for the first time today to my storytelling coach and I started crying when I told it because I said I could have killed him. You know, I could have killed him. You think about what I was doing to him to work that many hours. He wasn't sleeping enough. He was driving long distances. And and in my, my example, my balance was completely off. And so today there's just something beautiful in this attempt to discover a better way. And it's never been a better time to attempt to discover a better way. That would be a great, uh, a, a pull out from this is like, this is the time. Yes. This is a hundred years ago when you're blazing west, or two hundred years ago, and you need to build community. Um, don't you're 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 trying new things if you want to be successful and be heard. When you rely on the old models right now, I sit on a lot of boards. I'm a lot more nervous on the boards that rely on the old models because our stories are stale. That's why you should be. We lack, we lack passion. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited Charles, hold, when we change hold, the story. Hold that thought. We've got to grab a quick quick break and i got more i got to extract out of you. I love your passion. You have to, you so have to right. time out me. Don't I worry, I got you. I'll going. take care of you. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with the ever exuberant and passionate Charles Antis, who's the founder and CEO of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. We've been talking a bit about his own path to purpose and how he's ex expressing it and literally the vitality that it gives him. After the break, we're going to learn how philanthropy and corporate social responsibility have changed during the pandemic and what Charles is doing to steward that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. As I've watched the pandemic continue to unfold, we look for ways to help companies to support their employees handle the anxiety, stress, depression, and feeling disconnected, while also helping to lift and inspire them with ongoing professional development. We now offer a well-being webinar learning series called Grab Your Gusto, Vital Well-Being from the Inside Out. You can learn more about it at EliseCortez.com or send me an email to Elise at EliseCortez.com. If you're just joining the program, my guest today is Charles Antis. He's the founder and CEO of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. He's a well-respected and widely known roofing expert 
entrepreneur and humanitarian, and he joins us today from Irvine, California. I'm Dr. Elise Cortez. So Charles, okay, so first let me, I need to verify something really important. Whatever you're drinking is not coffee, is it? Water. Okay, good, because I'm like, you don't need any coffee. <laughs> Step away from the coffee. Fair enough. Um, so I want to get more into this idea, Philanth, what you were sort of setting up for us before we went on that break. I love and I'm very interested to hear about this. Um, and you had said to me in our, in our conversation, getting ready for this for the show, um, talking about how corporate responsibility and philanthropy have in general change. So first, how would you characterize that change? What's different? Well, I, I think that I, I have more confidence on, on the direction I was going before, where I used to say things like uh, the currency of social good, you know, I would question cryptocurrency because I couldn't catch up to it, but I talk about the, the currency of social good. If you're not, if it's not, if you're in business to make money in the world we're moving into, then good luck. And, and now I'm in that world more so than ever. And so now that we're in it, I think that a metaphor that I used to tell, I used to tell people there was a podcast I did a year ago. Uh, and I'm sorry, a year and a half ago, and I said, I, I like to teach people how to tiptoe into philanthropy. And mm. I think that that doesn't work anymore. I think that if you compare the metaphor, metaphor of tiptoeing to the tulips, kind of jumping in, you know, tiptoeing in. No, now it's a swan dive in, you know, it's more of a, <laughs> you need to get in and have the experience. Because if you tiptoe, you won't know what you're learning. If you jump in, it can be messy because messy in philanthropy is not really messy. It just feels messy because it's unfamiliar to you. But philanthropy today is is listening through the pains of the world. Uh, today, it's not listening, it's not answering the pains of the world 18 months ago. And the pains of the world today are completely different no matter what group you're around. No one, if you're all of your 18 different groups of stakeholders or seven, however many you have, I mean, everybody's seeing things differently. So all of your stories that you were telling a year and a half ago have to change. But in philanthropy, you have the need to be heard more than ever because a practical reason is because what we hear out there, information we know today is so not genuine. It's so often jaded. So how important it is to have a real story that can rise above because what I find a real story with smart photos and smart language and by smart i mean using inclusive language it builds the bridge all the way to everyone i don't lose anybody on my post that i'm aware of unless i'm unless i when i got the vaccination shot to some people that was offensive but I, there was now and then a calculated risk but normally i don't take anything that could be political i just talk about cause when i talk about keeping families safe and dry that builds the bridge all the way to everybody when I, when I talk about acknowledging and caring for children that builds the bridge all the way to everybody, there's some things I don't talk about. I don't talk about my support of mothers against drunk driving because I don't support them unless I'm renting out the House of Blues and serving alcohol to 1,300 people because that cause is not going to resonate with my brand and with all people. Right. There's, there's things that we, there's stories that we tell. And the reason we tell the stories, and I want to give you a real practical reason, I'm really into emotional intelligence. I'm not saying I'm, I'm practiced in emotional intelligence. I believe that everything happens for different reasons and people make decisions for different reasons than what they think. And as a social scientist, you know that's true. And the reason I'm trusted today, and I did, as a roofer, I wasn't always trusted. It's just something about that trade and experience people have. But when I'm trusted today, and I'm trusted today 
in, in like this. I'm trusting the day because it is without question that I stand for families living in shelter, all families. And what that means is 10,000 years ago, if we were living together, traveling on the plains to survive, and I had an emblem somehow on my forehead that stood for I, I stand up for all families, then I would be safe to travel with. That is the thing that, that makes it work. I'm safe to travel with. Because I'm on the board of Ronald McDonald House, 10,000 years ago, that, that insignia on my forehead or on my coat, it, it says, I think it is unimaginable to ignore anyone's sick child. That is why I'm trusted. And I'm, again, I'm not bragging, I'm trying to analyze it. Because I used to go into board meetings, I only sell to, uh, for money, for profit, to homeowners associations. We're going to sell 500 units, $3 million re-roof, and I go in there and I start selling. And in, in 10 years, 12 years ago, I go in there and, and board members who represent their, their homes would accuse me of stuff that to me was really offensive, like kickbacks. They, you, they would accuse me of, of, of something that, that happens in the industry. I know it happens, but accuse me of it with no evidence just because, or, or, or saying that we didn't do what we did and I would just be like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm, it, it hurts me that I'm taking this. And now when I go into board meetings, it doesn't happen anymore. It never happens to me. It doesn't happen to my salesmen that, I, that they tell me. When we go into a board meeting, people look at us and smile. They respect us. They do things like touch their hair, or like, like they're flirting, male or female, when they're talking. And I'll, I'll say things like, well, how are we doing? And no, I don't know. Well, why, why are you happy with us? They'll say times like, I don't know. We just feel good when we think about you. And at first <laughs> I was bothered by that. What does that mean? What do I, what, what do I, and then finally I realized, oh my God, that's the brand we want. Yeah. We're safe to travel with. We're safe to travel with. And we are. We are honorable the way we hold the money. You know, we really are. We're a healthy company. But all of it goes back in. You know, I, I'm a, I really have strong personal beliefs about next generation wealth about I don't want to create little monsters in my kids. I don't, I don't, I, I think, I think this, this is, this is a corporation there. It's not a gold builder for me. It's, it's to take care of the, our people and then build community. And it's in it. And it feels to me like a hundred percent reinvestment. Am I still going to feel that way in 10 years? I don't know. I guess I'll tell you then. I'll still be talking, but it's a it's a beautiful way I get to hold it today because I used to try to hold it like this. You know, I used to have to hold it like there's a line in the movie There Will Be Blood. Daniel Day Lewis. He plays this yes. evil oil baron. Yes. He, he describes the worst of men in one line. When one man, when they're camping one night, tries to get inside a head, his, his head, and Daniel Day Lewis playing this oil baron says, "I want no one to succeed but myself." Oh. And, and it's haunting to me because I know what that feels like. It's not entirely, but I know a little what that feels like. That's one way you can hold the business. And I don't hold the business that way. I don't allow myself to wish anyone to lose, even my competitors. And it's hard at first for some to do that. But when you learn to hold it in this way, it's a lot better way to live. And your people are happy. And people that want to hate you can't even hate you. And that's kind of cool when your competitors that used to not like you, like you. That means a lot to me. That means probably more to me than going to sell that job. You know, I know after 32 years, I'm probably going to be in business 
You know, I, I want to be respected. I want to leave a legacy. I want everything that we do, that everything that people will say that they left it better. I mean, how could you not want that? And the more you pause to think about what life is about and what we can actually take with us, the only thing we know, man, what? Why not make everything better? That is living a legacy. And that's something yeah. that a lot of people don't hit till their 50s. I'm probably hitting a lot more because I'm 58. But it's something that is really powerful that you have to listen to because it, it can change your life. I am the, I'm the same CEO of a roofing company that used to work 80 plus hours a week and have to hold everything tight. I used to bill everything myself so I could get every dime out of it. I mean, you know, it's just how I felt like I had to hold it. And now I don't. I know I could go into, into change ordering. I, I could go into change ordering. I haven't overlooked the shoulder in three years. Do you know our change ordering is probably 8%? We're, a, we're roughly a $20 million construction company. Do you know what the average change ordering is a construction company? The upsells, it's a 50% or 200% on some. Ours was 8% because I'm not here to, I'm here to do a good job. I'm here to make everything better. And once I'd settled it in my head that there was enough, once I settled in my head that I could err on the side of generosity with all of our stakeholders, then everything changed. All of a sudden, I could. Now I even go through a tough time. We're not selling, which happens when it doesn't rain in Southern California. But now I don't alarm my team. I go, we've been through this before. We're going to be fine. You know, and we are. We're prepared. And we even are giving. We have a million dollars in our donor advised fund because last year, the year before last, I'm sorry, we had a good year. We took $700,000 of pre-tax money. We put it in a donor advised fund. Now we can con continue most of our giving through that, even if we were losing money. What does that do for our brand? You know, it's the, it's the signs that you're not doing it that kills small business. What corporations do that have the wherewithal and the investors, they keep that steady plan. Now, because now what, imagine if Antis, if we didn't give it all last year, which could have happened if we didn't have a donor advice fund. So there's this, you know, when you start to live in this balanced way, then your business becomes more balanced in a super topsy-turvy roofing market where three out of five roofing companies fail, we're healthier than we've ever been. And we install the best roofs we've ever installed. So it's a, it's an awesome, I call it my, my awesome discovery. You know, like philanthropy was not a good idea. I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. I did it because, you know, it's well, you I couldn't help it. It sounds like I did it because the first time I remember doing it, I walked into a home and I, I was repulsed by the smell of mildew when the door opened. And I suddenly I, I just had a fight or flight. I was turning to leave and I felt the tug at my finger. And this little blonde girl pulls me past her mom, who didn't look happy at all. This, she was happy. She had a visitor. She pulls me in her home after I'd knock on this home that I went to do repairs for, and she pulls me into a bedroom with mold on, on the sheets, on the bedding on the ground oh. that I'm looking at while she's pointing to the My Little Pony poster on the wall. And I, that's the memory. This is the thing that happened to me over and over again, things like this, and I'm stuck in that. I want to leave that room. This little girl's cute, but she's a threat to my young business, my first year in business. This is 32 years ago. And, and the mom walks back in this room and something came out of, out of me that I never said before, but I couldn't not say it. I said, I'm going to take care of your roof, hoping it was a hole in the roof, just a little <laughs> hole, but it was, the roof was gone and I had to get a bunch of volunteers. I didn't have any employees yet. We went on that roof and we gave them a goopy, drippy on the outside, but dry in the, in the dry on the inside and that family stayed in that home and that condition would keep repeating where I just couldn't let somebody have a leaky roof. 
because it just because it didn't have the money to pay and and it wasn't a thing until it became organized and didn't come organized until Habitat for Humanity called and asked if they give it we would give them a roof and it was it wasn't a happy plan my employees weren't happy even with the Habitat roofs it was more work we weren't getting paid it was more stress it took a while to find the balance but the balance was when the employees started showing up on the builds the balance was when the employees heard about the moldy mattress story the balance was when the employees got to learn that it's okay that we do this thing it actually makes us better so there was a there was a long discovery process that wasn't beautiful until now you know because i didn't have the sherpa to tell me i was on the right path i did some of the decisions feeling like there was a gun to my head because dad always said to do the right thing you know dad wouldn't let this lady have a a child with a leaky roof you know my dad wouldn't do that i know he wouldn't and it came down to that back then you know and even now elise giving now it, it's still the same we get these ass come in and it's like it feels like ah it feels like you're ripping a rib out of me like there's no way we can do that but we learn this tool this 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 answer the one thing we don't i don't say right away is no i say maybe that maybe's got power man I don't know what that no, it doesn't. does, but I go to bed on maybes and wake up with, and the world completely changes overnight. Things shift. We wake up and it doesn't look the same. And suddenly somebody else is there. And suddenly, how did this happen? Only because we said maybe. It's because we didn't cancel it. And I live in a world with an open mindset. I live in a world of yeses. I live in a world of possibilities. And now all of the things we get to create, we realize, oh, we remember when we first thought it. You know, it's like, wow, the power of intention. What is that? What's happening when I intend to do something? One of the other things that I learned, and I'm getting off topic right now. but the Yeah, not finish that thought because we'll really go on to the next. Intention. This happens to me all the time. I overcommit. I'm on way too many boards. I'm on, I say <sighs> a dozen boards. I'm exaggerating. I'm probably on nine boards. Um, and but but and, and as a result, I end up with so many things I commit to do. I had it today. There was some prep for this that I think I was supposed to do, and I was freaking out that I didn't do it. Earlier today, I had a two-hour intake call on the book I'm writing. There was some prep I was supposed to do that I intended to do, but I didn't do it. I've learned this thing that when I intend to do something, whether I do it or not, it gets done. It's as simple as that. If I just can open my intention up, there's a powerful something. I haven't, I don't think I've mastered that yet, but the power of intention is such that so long as I really intend to do it, it doesn't matter if I do it or not, it gets done. And sometimes because I didn't do it, it's done so much better because it's yeah. done in a way that's sustainable that someone else can push. You're sending energy basically. And on that note, hang on, let's grab our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the year with Charles Antis, the founder and CEO of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. We've been talking a bit about, a bit about his, his ideas about philanthropy, and you can see how exuberant he is about this. It's awesome. After the break, we're going to learn more about how purpose translates to business results. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. 
This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I mentioned after the first break about the Grab Your Gusto Wellbeing webcast learning series. The content of that program is adapted from part one of my recently published book called Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause, which is now available on Amazon. And I wrote that book to awaken, using Charles's word, awaken readers to their passion and purpose and help transform them into inspirational leaders who enliven the workplace and elevate the contribution of business to all its stakeholders. So that's where the program came from. Would love to share the book with you as well. If you're just joining us today, my guest is Charles Antis. He's the founder and CEO of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. We've been talking about his ideas on philanthropy. Now I really want to get into how this translates to business results. And so I'm interested. You already told us how the brand comes out. People trust you. They'll travel with you. How does it affect employee, employee productivity, this idea of philanthropy and purpose? Well, I think that that's a great question. I think it's first I need to to show you the history. It didn't always work that way. Like I said, it was tough in the beginning. It was more work for people. And also, they didn't know my story. So I often compare myself. I was much like Will Ferrell when he was streaking in the movie Old School. When he's drunk and he's streaking. Hey, come on, this is so fun. And his wife comes up, come on, honey, get in the car. Hey, everybody's doing it. And like that, I was isolated. But I didn't know it because I, you know, my passion, you, you see my passion. I learned that that you know philanthropy has to be an inside out play. It can't and it needs to be with the leader, but it has to also be with the team. And that can only happen when the leader becomes intimate and vulnerable with the story with the team. So the team needed to understand why I joined Habitat. When I joined other boards too, you know, it's easy to be judged. You know, it's like people have opinions like why is he joining a college board? Why is he joining the Alzheimer's thing? You know, if there's until you tell them the story about your, your grandparents who died of Alzheimer's, you know, and then all of a sudden they know you better and then they have something in common with you because almost everybody has a grandparent with dementia or Alzheimer's at some point in their life. And so there's, you know, it's the commonality of story. One thing being a storytelling uh, storytelling expert sort of, I don't like to give myself real credentials, but I do know a lot about story. And I know that our brains are not wired to remember data. We're wired to remember the context of story because we compare our lives with our uh, with each other's lives that moldy mattress story is a powerful story but it's only memorable because you have had experience smelling mold before you know mm-hmm. and it's 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 really a powerful tool I, I don't think I answered your question but the people today are awakened they're awakened because I've made it their story. We, one of the things that really helped to get expression out, they knew my story, but what's their story? So we started sending out, and I think I've sent you one, a little 5013C gift card. It's, it's a gift card that only be redeemed at a nonprofit. And so what we do is when at our, at our weekly get-togethers, employee does something great, we'll say, hey, we're going to give our office manager this gift card be, because she did this great week. And then... Then the next week she'll come and she'll tell the group who she gave it to and why. Now we have another Alzheimer's story. All of a sudden the office manager tells a story about cancer in her family, which is hard to hear, but we hear it, that hits everybody hard. All of a sudden that office manager who I used to think was kind of mean, I don't know why, but I like her more. 
You know, it's because I get her now. She makes sense. She's built the way she's supposed to be built coming from where she came from. Now I get her. She's safe. I'm safe. To, she's safe to travel with. You know, it's like it's an amazing thing. And so it was really that was the giving cards. And so one of the things when I when I consult companies that need a culture lift, which is like most companies, um, the easiest culture injection you can ever get is to order yourself um, 50 5013C giving cards and hand them out in weekly meetings. And then when you hand one out the next the next week, you take the one who got it the, the week before and they share. So every week you got somebody sharing who they gave it to and why. At the end of the season, your culture is gonna be lifted a lot. I told I promised one company would lift their culture twenty percent. I forgot to ask her six months later ago, did you do that? What did it what did it lift? She goes, twenty percent, it was two hundred percent. So it, and it it's because they knew each other's stories. And so that is a huge thing here. Once you know each other's stories, what happens is the next beautiful thing, and that's the giving. The giving in this company is not just my story. I mean, the thing that we're known for, one of the things they're known for more this year probably than anything is the 40 blood drives. We have a blood drive going on right now. If I carry this over there, you would see them packing out the probably 90 treatments of blood they collected today in the 7,000 foot of blood space that we donated. 40 times we've done that. And that's because Susan DeGrassi, my VP of cause, who's one you haven't met, who you've got to meet, she's a rock star who's here because we attract top talent. She is on the board of American Red Cross. Mm. She's also on the board of National Women in Roofing. She's also on the board of the Irvine Chamber of Commerce. And she's also on a bunch of other stuff that I'll forget. But American Red Cross is plugged in here. Man, that is a big benefit to our brand. That is a big benefit to our culture. That is a big benefit to our people that, that are proud of the story. And you know, and, and now it's it's part of us, it's part of who we are. My my VP of finance, Audrey Schneider, she came here not having a history of giving, tutoring a lot, having a background in education, and and now I see, I, I'm, it's premature for me to say this, but it's just the way I see the future. She's going to be on the Boys and Girls Club board. No, it's, I don't know that she's been invited on the board, but I see where she's going. And she's very excited about the Boys and Girls Club of Central Coast, which is an amazing Boys and Girls Club. And they're going to work so well together. That is going to lift our brand. And you know what Boys and Girls Club Central Coast, they have, they have Boys and Girls Clubs in Anaheim and in Santa Ana. And you know who lives there? My employees, the immigrant employees from Mexico who have cousins, family, and that can use this and well, we have access to it. That's the beautiful thing. Now in the culture, the Hispanic culture is a big thing to me. It's easier to plug into the office with people born here than immigrants who had to navigate really tough things to get here and still have to navigate things that I don't even know. And so we try to understand that. We ask a lot of questions and I really know what, I really understand honor and respect. You know, how, you know what honor and respect is? This is honor and respect. And I learned it from, um, a Mexican man. No, I learned it from probably 12 Mexican men because I took every one of my employees home about 10 years ago and made them breakfast one at a time and I asked them questions about their childhood, their peaks and valleys so they could understand their values. And they, 12 of them, I think, told me the same story. It's the most, this beautiful story about their father. And this was this. They would, they remember when they were young, education was very, very valuable, but they didn't get that much. And they would get woken up at seven, eight, nine years old, at about 3.30 in the morning by their father. Their father would say, hey, Narciso, you wanna come work for me for a couple hours before you go to school today? Do you want to? If no, you can go, you can go to rest. And, and they'd say, yeah, and they'd get up and work. 
but not always. And there was something of the way their father held them, the way their father honored them, the way he paused on them. He didn't just bark at them. And when I learned that, it really helped me to be a better leader. It's a beautiful story. Or when I learned that in Mexico, there's a tradition called Aguinaldo that most people, I can't believe I don't read about it here. It's a big tradition that companies hold back roughly about eight to 10% of the salary. And in November, December, they give it to them at this big season of refreshing that allows them to reinvest and clean out their homes. And it also really helps them on the holidays. So we try to build Aguinaldo, but not, we don't carve the salary, we build it into a bonus. And if we have a good year, they can they can win up to an extra month's salary and and uh, this in the years that are not so good we cheat it up we give it to them anyway we give them something because we can you know and it's like a beautiful thing so we learn we honor those traditions that we learn and the last thing I'll say this this is this is you know this makes me feel well let me just say it this way I get a lot of credit for being a philanthropist for for giving things and as we do but you know who I I learn from is these these immigrant laborers that work for me they are the most generous people I know they give a bit bigger proportion of what they earn away than anybody I've ever seen and every one of them does it and they raise their kids to do the same thing and so I think it's a beautiful a beautiful thing when you really get to know your people and so philanthropy to me I think in the old days I was too outside in I was afraid if I didn't take care of it out there we would fail but I've learned it's an inside-out job, so I, I need to be extremely generous with my team. So that means the same team that I'm talking about, what do you want to do? I will train you. Yeah, you might leave me, but I don't care. Is it going to cost me 20,000 years to train you and put you in that Vistage class? Done. I'm trying to talk another one of my VPs into going to Vistage, and I'm telling all the people when I meet with them, what is it that you want? Do you want to get involved in national committees and fly back with me to Chicago every year? You know, I mean, what is it you want? Let's build it together. And that is, that's the way I like to own it. Inside and outside, all invested, all in. And what's cool is I don't have to do it all. You know, I'm a great salesman. I haven't sold a job in so long. I'm working on one right now, I'm rusty. You know, and I'm a great salesman, <laughs> but I'm way better doing this. I'm, I can run great jobs, but if I hold this company like this, wow, I have the best job runners. I have the best sales guys, not just good at sales, but care about the people, can build real relationships, love what they do. And I want to build that sales seat so they have the best sales job in Orange County. That's really what I'm after. That's my intent. And I've learned that, like I said, whatever we intend to do that's good, it happens. And it happens by the people that try to help you. And I believe it happens by those that, that try to foil you. I just don't n register. I don't notice them. I do this practice that I learned from a Vistage coach 10 years ago. It's just this, A-A-P-I. I have it on my board. I write it in my book. Always assume positive intent. It's the most powerful tool in the world. It really and those is. those that literally work to, looking back, those that maybe are working again, if I don't acknowledge it, they literally end up helping. And I can't explain it. It's too long of a story. It's energy. But yeah. just trust. It's energy. That's great. Okay, we're already out of time. Can you believe it? I'm sorry. I just go off on these tangents. Would you stop apologizing? This is great. People are going to love this. And leaders, this is your example, my dear. This is how you run a company. Um, so, Charles, 30 seconds or less. What do you want to leave our listeners with? This is people from all over the world listen to the show. What do you want to leave them with? Wow, I would just say... Now is the time. Now is the time to invent it better than ever. It's like we're 500 years ago, or it's like a couple hundred years ago, my grandfather worked in a logging company and they blazed the West and they built community. 
Now's the time to build community, build it with your people and build it with their families and build it with all of your stakeholders and try and fail. It's also the time of all of, all of our lifetime. It is the time to rejoice in failing. Those who fail the most will win. So try and fail, try, keep trying, but try new things and take care of your people. Beautiful. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. You have given so much to our listeners and viewers, and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Likewise. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Charles Antis and the work they do with his team with his team at Antis Roofing and Waterproofing, just start by going to antisroofing.com. And thanks follow again. me on LinkedIn. And follow him on LinkedIn. The guy's crazy. He posts great posts as well. They're always entertaining and, and inspiring. Um, thanks again to our partnering sponsor, WorkProud, which helps companies build a platform where your workforce receives meaningful feedback. And thanks for their work from people across your company. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Susan Lucci, a purpose guide and circle convener, talking about the work she does convening circles and the movement toward a culture of care she sees emerging among women across the world. Next week, we'll be on the air with Tim Jones, a.k.a. the Grow Good Guy, talking about the work he does helping companies transition to a B Corp status. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.